Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Rocket Revenue Podcast, where we open source the rocket shipping revenue team, and we are on a path to create predictable, repeatable revenue. We share insights. We talk about issues that we're facing, issues that we think the market is facing, uh, macroeconomics, and inside our four walls. Today's topic is going to be something that inevitably all of us have faced as an organization, but we are currently facing it now at Rocket. And the whole spirit of this show is to open source what we are working on. And so today, it's going to be a shorter episode. It's going to be specifically one topic. But I'm going to ask Troy Barter, uh, the sales guru at Rocket, the head of sales and marketing, and and talk to him about how you can motivate uh, individual sellers to treat the job like it's a profession, like there's a professional sales rep instead of just another job and how you keep team morale up at an individual level and how that leads to the success of the organization. So Troy, uh, you know, you were talking about it. We were just kind of spitballing backstage about the idea of, you know, sellers treating their job like they're a professional sports player and that, you know, they're, you know, I think I'll let you take it from there. But one of the things you said was that there's professionals and there's amateurs and in pro sports, they only let the professionals play. But if everybody gets to play. Yeah. Sales is a professional sport, but it's the only one where they let the amateurs on the field with the professionals. And it's the job of the leadership there, uh, where at the, uh, organization to either level up those amateurs into professionals or level them out really, because eventually all that you want are, are pros. Um, and a lot of the time in sales, it's not, a you know, in football, you throw an amateur out there. What do they need to be able to become a professional? Well, they need like God-given talent that they probably don't have at that level. And they also need like an insane amount of experience. They need to get in the gym. They need to drill. They need years, probably a decade of all that stuff. And in sales, you know, sales, you you can be an expert at anything if you have 10,000 hours of practice, right? You've never said anything that wasn't selling. You've never heard anything that wasn't selling. You're selling an idea, you're selling an emotion, you're selling something that you want, something that somebody else wants. So by the time you're about six years old, you have 10,000 hours of practice in sales. Um, one of the stories I always say, um, I don't think I've told this one on this podcast. I was in like a, like a Marshalls or a TJ Maxx um, and I've got a thousand kids. So I'm always in like around, in or around the toy area at some point while my wife's uh, shopping for stuff. And I heard probably maybe between a four to a six-year-old girl in the aisle over saying, mommy, can I have this toy? And mom was like, no, we're not doing that today. Same playbook that I run. I told you before we came here that we weren't going to get any toys today. We're just going to look around. You can look, but we're not going to buy anything. And then she said, mom, just look at it. Because even at that age from four to six, she knew that in her sales cycle, that if mom looks at the toy, that increases the conversion rate. Now, she wouldn't be able to tell you that, but she knew it. She inherently knew that that, experience, which by the time you're 20 or by the time you're 17, you have thousands upon thousands of hours of experience. So it's generally not the experience that's required to take a salesperson from an amateur to a professional. It's their outlook and it's their mindset and it's the way that it's their perspective and how they view the opportunity and and, and what it is that they're doing. So there is a, there's a difference, a giant difference between those sales pros and the ones that are amateurs, but not in the skill level. Usually it's usually in the way that they view their job and uh, yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I've heard that before from Jeb Blunt. It was, he said it differently, but it was something along the lines of like uh, being a salespreneur, right? Acting like you own your own book of business. And that mindset is what I always used and what a lot of our sellers need to use. But I think in the market, people get obsessed with being an entrepreneur. Uh, and sales is like a really great example of a place where you can be an employee, but an entrepreneur at the same time. You control your own destiny. You don't have, you have to stay within the confines of the business, but you can pretty much make what you want uh, in an uncapped uh, OTE situation. So I just want to say like, that does ring true. I've heard that before, but the way you said it was different. Yeah. And in, in sales, that's like a, a super dangerous thing, in my opinion, um, uh, where you'll never actually realize your true potential because it, you're either reaching to the, to the bar, to the brass ring that is like the best that you could possibly be as a salesperson where you're overperforming and you're really maxing out your true potential of being able to have success at the job that you're in and, you know, build your skill set, or you're standing on the bar that's just above getting fired. And, and you, as long as you're on that one, you're good. And the whole thought of like, Hey, what's really great about sales isn't actually the amount that you can make. That's kind of like, dirty. That's old school sales about the money. It's actually the freedom that you have and all the different things that you can do. And if you, if you're close to hitting target, or at least you're ahead of everybody else, take extra days off. There's uh, so many places have unlimited PTO nowadays. We have unlimited PTO. And uh, like, there's uh, like, so there's usually like nowadays there's two types when it comes to like their outlook of what they like in sales. And some will say, man, I like, I unlimited on the amount of money that I can make. I determine my income more than anyone else, or it's, I'm unlimited in my options and my ability to travel and my ability to take additional time off and focus on me and everything like that. And that's great. But if you do it too much, and that's the whole purpose of why you're there, it's going to be kind of difficult to be as great as you possibly can be. Because again, go relate back to doctors, lawyers, professional athletes, like they, any job that you can think of that you would have aspired to, or that is looked at as a prestigious position. No one picked that one because of the timeline. No one. And yeah. They're all so like, motivated yeah. for, you know, a level of success beyond what they already are at. Like most of the top sellers never are satisfied with where they're at. Most entrepreneurs, no matter what they accomplished are not satisfied. And that's what keeps them moving forward. The question becomes, you know, this is all philosophical, but uh, in the in the nitty gritty, how do we, as an organization, find the people that are willing to have that mindset, but also, you know, it's a little bit our jobs to figure out how to guide them to that spot and motivate them to make it clear, make the path clear for what they would need to do to have that level of success. It's, it's the standards that you set for sure. Like on our side, like I had just taken over the head of sales last quarter, you know, here we are beginning of October. So this is pretty fresh. Last quarter was a couple of days ago. And at the time it's like, all right, well, you got to get a clear picture of everything. All right. So like, what's the picture right now? Well, it seems like pipeline just at surface level is better than we've probably ever had it. We have meeting targets that we're delivering on and it seems like revenue is on point. All right. So those are the three. All right, cool. Well. You don't take over as a sales leader if things are going right and change everything. Let's get an idea of what's going on. Let's kind of watch and encourage more than make quick changes. I've done that before. I had, had to leave pretty quick because everyone's <laughs> uh, 
A to me, and there was HR there, and uh, you know those employee surveys will get you knocked out pretty quick if uh, you know. But I also turned turned it, it around at the same time. Um, <laughs> but so with what we realized was, all right, yeah, we're hitting the meeting target, but that's what the reps are kind of reaching towards is a meeting target. We booked a meeting, and SDRs always get into this kind of uh, flow of things where if they're judged on the meetings then they don't really care about the quality of the meeting if that's the target. And if they're paid on the meetings, which we, we don't do, we pay it on, on revenue as it stands right now, but if they're paid on the meeting, they'll begin to beg their AEs. Oh, I'm just one away from quota. Can you please just put this in accepted and say that they showed up so I can get paid? Like, and they're just like, that's, that, that's the philosophy versus like, dude, like we're all going to get fired if you're not producing pipeline that closes. That's how a business works. If we're not getting revenue in that's predictable and continuous and we continue to grow it, this doesn't work. We're playing, we're in fantasy land right now. And like, so it was, all right, we need to move the ball down the field a bit, not from meeting set, but to meeting accepted by the AE and introduced into their pipeline. And we have to have better qualification guardrails on what is considered because if an AE accepts one in our line of work and they're doing one shipment a month, that does not count towards target. No, they have to do a minimum shipments per month on those for it to count towards your target. And then it's like, all right, well, we'll lay that out. But then well, what if a week passes and they don't get it done? And once you start to set a targets, particularly when they're aggressive, that's when you can get in trouble if you slip behind pace. So I I built out like stuff that would show every day whether or not we were ahead of pace based on the day and the month that we're in, the amount of selling days that we've had or whether we're behind. And then yeah. we can react on a, on a dime, which is easy for us because we have like two to three sellers right now or SDRs. I had to do that when I had like 30 to 40. So it's like, well, let's implement that here. And that way we really have our finger on the pulse where it's like, all right, we're over target on dials already. I know that I just looked at it earlier. We're under target on bookings, but I know that we have two that are legitimate that could go to S2 by the end of the day, which would put us above target there. By the time we get halfway through the month, if we continue to do that, I'm already going to be raising the targets for November. Not to be a dick about it, but because we probably set them too low because I'm moving the ball down the field. I moved the goalposts from stage zero to stage two and what we're expecting out of people. And, uh, you know, and at the same time, you just, you explain why you did that to the sellers so they don't think that you're just throwing stuff at them. No, we need you to eventually understand that none of this matters unless it's actually producing revenue on your book. Meetings don't matter unless it's something that's qualified. Like it's a, we're not hitting a target that doesn't actually move the needle in terms of the company's revenue. So I think, I I think we're on one good, good track there. Well, so what you just walked through is a really, you know, detailed version of how we are setting targets for SDRs, AE hybrids, and how to move the ball down the field without making the rep feel like you just keep moving the target, which a lot of organizations I think do, right? They, I, I think they, they absolutely do. They're like, oh, sweet, we hit target. Let's move the targets up. So then they have to do more and we can get more reps out of it now or, or more revenue out of it. I think that Tactically, the original question is, how do you get them to be a professional? And I think that you answered it. I think you give them clear guidelines and targets. And then like the psychology side is you say, hey, professionals show up and get the work done. And, you know, in the NFL, depending on what team you're playing or what practice, if it's a practice squad versus an NFL team, 
you're going to prepare differently and there's going to be different targets. But if you're a professional, you know your circumstances, you're organized and you exceed target. Now, that is the mindset. But I think that the last part I wanted to kind of bookend this shorter episode with is then you've got a CEO like me who comes in and says, yep, you had all these meetings, you did all these bookings and it was the wrong customers. Try again. Because rocket shipping is in a, a place now we're almost three years old where we know what customer we want. Yep. We know our ideal customer profile and the reps then have to digest me saying, hey, you did all this and it was the wrong type of customer. They were transactional. They're going to yell about rebuild fees. They don't understand reclasses and we can't educate them. They're not looking for a solution. They're looking for a rate. All of these things that we start to refine and that will, you know, narrow the field of who wants to be a seller at Rocket because one, they have to do the target. Two, it has to be the right customer. But the way that I communicated in our morning meeting today was that if we do it that way, you never lose customers and they are paid on residual commissions. And so professionals understand that. And if they're taking pride in their, in their book of business as theirs, they want to keep it forever and Rocket. And, and so at the end of the day, the revenue goals have to align with what the sellers are doing, right? So targets have to align with revenue. Whether that is meetings book that turned to revenue or if it's just a revenue target, we have to figure that out. You're working on it. The second part is growth for the company has to be sustainable and predictable. And if it's bad customers and they churn, that's not predictable and sustainable. And so that's the other, I think that's the other part that most orgs in tech miss because they're like, anybody who signs up is good, right? Anybody who will sign a contract is good. If they pay us, they're good. But if you look at like tech companies in the space now, their churn rates are ridiculous. One, because people are out of money. Businesses have felt the recession first and maybe later, but certainly there's been a tightening of the belt in, in SaaS world. But two, because they just signed up anybody. And so if you take that into logistics and tech, we don't want to sign up anybody because the people we want to sign up for our valuation of our company for the growth and sustainable revenue have to be the right customers because otherwise we'll churn and it won't be our customer success team's fault. It'll be the fault of having too wide of a funnel on the sales side. And that is why at Rocket Revenue, we're talking about all these topics because we could talk about how to be a professional in sales and how you motivate somebody. And then at the same time, if a CEO is coming in and saying, hey, it still has to be the right one, then the head of sales has to be able to communicate what's, what type of target and you have to set your team up for success. That's why you need a professional head of sales as well at, uh, in your organization. So Troy, I'll let you close it. If you had to summarize what you look for in a rep as a, a tactical advice to the audience, uh, whoever's out there listening, whether they're a rep or they own a business or they're running a sales org, how can you identify, and I'm going to say 30 seconds or less, going to test you. How can you identify who those sellers are that you already know they have these qualities to be a professional and they take this mindset seriously? Is it skill or is it something else? Um, you can get them to quickly talk through uh, what their desired career path is. Hey, like so this, this role is a jumping off point where people can go into sales, they can go into marketing, they can go into customer success. There's no wrong answer. Where, where, where do you vision yourself going? By the way, there is a wrong answer. The answer is not sales. I'm not interested in working with you. And that might be the wrong thing for a, a lot of folks, but it's like, I, I've been in the game too long. Sorry. Like I'm, I'm not interested in working with part-timers or people that aren't viewing this. Like, this is it for me. This is what I love doing. That's probably the largest one. And then also what motivates you, you know? And if they can't answer it, that can be a, a problem. 
they don't have a why, it's going to be probably pretty difficult to get them to stay motivated and stay inspired. So those are the two big ones. Is this it? Sales? Is that it for you? And I frame the question in a way where I get the real answer, not a BS one. Um, and then also, what, what is it that motivates you? Um, there's not necessarily a wrong answer there, but it's got to be something. It has to be kind of compelling where they're ready to take action. And I think that to, to really put a bow on that, the way I see it is that we're a startup, right? We're three years in. We're a real company with 25 employees, but we are a startup. And we don't have the luxury at Rocket Shipping uh, to like be a blank slate and let people figure out who they are and what motivates them and all of those things. And while a big org hires a thousand sellers and the, the cream rises to the top of the people that are motivated and they know what they want and they're willing to learn and willing, they want to succeed. Uh, but I think identifying if you're running a sales org, that's small, right? But you're building a company, identifying the people who are already there is an important step. Uh, because, you know, the harsh reality is we don't have time to wait. Uh, and so we need to put them in the right circumstances, but also identify who the right people are. Um, and I think most business owners agree with that. Most sales leaders would be like, yeah, that's, that's, that's hard knocks. And a lot of sales reps would be like, well, what's the point of working somewhere if I can't train and learn? And that is to an extent how the, the market works, but bigger companies are better off to train people than the, the small lean startups that are trying to create a, a predictable, repeatable revenue stream. It's not that you have to be there, right? You don't have to have all the skills. You just said it. It's about mindset, knowing what motivates you. And that's an important question for anybody just in life, in sales too. Uh, what motivates you? It's not always money. Sometimes it's status. Sometimes it's, um, you know, they want to make their, their parents proud. Sometimes they want to have their coworkers think they have a bigger title. Sometimes they want money. Um, so some sales reps just want security and then they're really just not sales reps uh, because security is not part of the job. Uh, it's a risky job, but it's a high reward job. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to identify that in team members. And we're talking specifically about our team, but also I'm talking about when we start hiring more sellers, what are we looking for? And so that's the kind of value I want to bring to this podcast is like what we're doing, but also what we're going to try to do. And we'll open source that. Hope you tune in for the next episode of Rocket Revenue, where we share insights into what we are doing to create a predictable, repeatable revenue stream. And uh, when we post this one out, I think the, the question and the hot take that I wanted to ask was, if a sales rep is money motivated only, but they don't care about culture, how long do you keep them? That's the question I think I'm going to post out when we post this. And I want to see what some of the answers will be uh, from a seller's perspective and from a company perspective. What's more important to be money motivated? And you can obviously motivate them and give them a comp plan to go wreck that helps the company. But if they don't care about culture, what's more important? And how long would you keep a rep like that? All right. See you guys next time.